You know, over the years, Pastor Mark and I have kind of painted out the pattern for discipleship in those times in early Palestine in the first century. How when you were just a youth, six years old, you entered Torah school, and from six to ten, you would study then those first five books of Moses, the law. And then after that, at 10 years old, if you were one of the best, you would go on from 10 years to 14 years old to study the rest of the scriptures, the prophets, so that you would have, by the time you were 14, the law and the prophets memorized. And then the time of Yohina, which is known as separation, came, where just a few handful of students were then picked from that group. And what would happen is they would then be attached to a given rabbi and his teaching that was handed down. How you lived out the text was important to those rabbis. How you interpreted and followed the 600 plus rules of the Pharisees. And the driving principle then of a rabbi was to find students who would best carry on your interpretation of what all of that meant. They would ask themselves this question, does this student have what it takes to do what I do, and can he be like me? And if the answer was yes, then the rabbi would say to that student, then follow me, and they would leave everything, and you would devote your life to be like your rabbi. And if the answer was no, and that student wasn't somebody that they felt they could choose, then the rabbi would simply say, go home and pray to Mary, and to have children and to raise them up who might become rabbis, or go and follow the trade passed on from your father. I say all that because John the Baptist was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was known not only just for baptizing, but he had disciples who were with him, who followed him. And John's whole life of being that teacher differed so much from the traditional rabbis, from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees, because his whole mission was one thing, pointing to Jesus, the one who was to come. And so it's no wonder then that as that rabbi, we see him take his disciples and to send them to follow the one, as he said, who is greater than I am. And so we see them follow. And the text kind of alludes, as we heard in the gospel today, that they were observing Jesus from a distance, those two that followed him. And Jesus stops and turns, and Jesus kind of cuts to the chase when he says to them, what are you looking for? Kind of a loaded question that Jesus gives them. And it seems in the text he caught them a little off guard. And you can kind of see them maybe scrambling for an answer. Kind of like, where are you staying? Is what they say. And Jesus then turns and invites them to follow. Invites them to come and see. Invites them into a relationship with him. I want to talk about that for a moment because that's a phrase that we often use about having a personal relationship with Jesus. What does that actually mean? You know, we sing songs like, what a friend we have in Jesus, or the old gospel tune, he walks with me and he talks with me. 
for those two disciples following Jesus. And it's not hard for us to imagine a relationship for them. We can see what that would look like for them. They went with him. They lived with him every day. They listened to what he taught. They walked where he walked. They learned from him. They committed themselves to his teaching, to his way of doing. And even though they never fully grasped exactly what his mission was about until after his death and resurrection, they followed him. We can understand their personal relationship with Jesus. But what about us? 2,000 years later, can we have a personal relationship with Jesus? The answer is yes, of course we can. And in many of the same ways that those disciples did. First, that we get to know Jesus and we listen to him just as they did. How can we do that? Well, I challenged you a few weeks ago about being in the Word this year, of taking a few moments, of reading a psalm or a chapter of a gospel a day. But how can we know Jesus and listen to Him? By reading His words. You know, before Christmas in the fall, we had the Red Letter Challenge, and that was the whole point of that, was to listen to Jesus to listen to all he had to say. Not just the comfortable words that we like to hear, but those that set us on edge, those that are hard, those that kind of rub us wrong. I think that's important in a relationship with Jesus because just like any earthly relationship, a real friend, a real relationship, we take the good with the bad. Not that there's anything bad about Jesus, but Jesus will challenge you. He will challenge what you believe, what you value, what you won't let go of. You see, Jesus is a real friend, and he wants to be a real friend to us. But knowing that there is much that Jesus has to say to us we may not want to hear, do we want him to be our friend? Well, what else did those disciples do that we can also do? They learned from Jesus the way that he lived, and we too can see how Jesus lived and bottle ourselves after him. We see in the scriptures that Jesus wrestled, wrestled with his own humanity, wrestled with the temptations that came upon him, and how he met them head on with word and in prayer. And we can do the same in our lives. For the Bible tells us that we can resist the devil and that he will flee from us and that if we too, like Jesus, hold to the Scriptures, the devil will leave us and we, through prayer, can overcome his temptations and be led to a better place. We see in the Scripture Jesus' interactions with people, the ones he taught and the ones that he encouraged, the ones that he healed. Some he challenged to come to grips with their own wrongness and their own narrowness. And others he looked at with compassion and love. We can learn from him the way that he lived and lived the same way. Well, those disciples also recognized where he is. They went with him where he was. They followed him. We too can be with Jesus where he is. We know that he meets us in worship, that here he feeds us on the bread of life, that he inhabits the praise of his people, 
that he has promised wherever two or three are gathered, there I am together with them. And through his Spirit into the world, we are his hands and feet throughout our day when we are led to reach out beyond our own comfort zones, move to see, to fill a need. When we are moved to repent our self-centered actions and ask someone for forgiveness and apologize. You see, in all these things, through the Spirit that Jesus has given us at our baptism, He is using us to be like Him, to walk in His way. And those disciples who followed Him, who came to see where He was, also, after Jesus had left them, spoke of the relationship that they had with Him. We, too, can speak to others. The word disciple literally means in its translation one who bears witness. Bears witness to what they know. A witness giving testimony in a court of law tells what they know personally. And so it is for us that as we witness in the world, we tell of what we know of Jesus, of what great things God has done in our lives. But more than all of these things, And maybe most important, the disciples who followed Jesus had what I would call a heart knowledge of Jesus, a relationship with Jesus that burned like a fire deep within them. Remember those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, how they said after Jesus had opened the scriptures, how our hearts burned within us to hear about who Jesus was throughout all of scripture. How important that is for us to know the depth and the height and the riches of the love of our Savior, Jesus. There's an old story about a well-known orator who spoke often on many stages years ago. He was renowned for his eloquence and for his delivery of various soliloquies. Mostly what he had done was recitations of Shakespeare. Well, at one performance when he was finished, the audience rose to thunderous applause to just laud and to praise him. And one man in the crowd, so moved at hearing him, yelled out, Would you recite the 23rd Psalm? The crowd went hushed and the great orator looked at the man, somewhat irked that he would have the audacity to ask him to recite something else. But he said to the man, I would be glad to if after I am finished, you will stand up here and recite it also. The man agreed. And so the orator began with those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was beautiful to hear the words and the diction come out of his mouth. And the audience was mesmerized and held captive, listening to what seemed like a sweet hymn flowing from his lips. He finished, and the audience once again erupted in applause. And then the man who had asked timidly made his way to the stage. The orator somewhat smirked to see the man on that stage in front of the audience. But the man began to speak. And as he spoke, the audience was silent, listening to every word that this amateur had to say. When he had finished, that great orator with moisture in his eyes looked 
at the audience and said to them, Today you have heard me recite the 23rd Psalm, but this man knows the shepherd. How important it is in our lives, not just to have head knowledge of Jesus through his scriptures, through following him, through imitating him, through living, but to have that heart knowledge of the love that Jesus gives to us in our need. That he reaches to us in our tear-filled moments, in the dark nights of our souls. That he listens to us when we rage against the unfairness of this life, of diagnoses, of disease, and cancer, of being alone, of being abandoned by a spouse or having a loved one stripped away from us in death. Jesus gives us his presence and his love in our relationship with him. And he painted a picture of a vision for his disciples and for us of the kingdom of God breaking into the sorrow and the darkness of this world. A kingdom which brings hope and salvation and life and love and peace. Of God reaching to humans, of being part of their existence and not being distant. Jesus took on our humanity so that we truly could, just like his disciples, have a relationship with him. He didn't come into this world with his cosmic power in brilliant light to set things right and to make disciples. He came to us through flesh and blood, which hung on a cross. He didn't hand down rabbinical practice and teaching and rituals that had been handed down for centuries by other rabbis, but he came through suffering and death and the shedding of blood to give us his love, his forgiveness, and his presence. Jesus doesn't stand at a distance in our relationship saying to us, follow him. He says, as he said to those two disciples, come and see. See what I've done for you. See how I love you. See and believe. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the gift of relationship that you have given us through the waters of our baptism. For in those waters you claimed us as your own, put your name upon us, adopted us into your family. May we, like those who followed you when you walked this earth, hear you, see your work, model your actions, and above all, know the passion and the love that you give to us every day that we live. May we also imitate those things and share those in a world that lives in darkness and needs so much your eternal light. We thank you for these gifts. We thank you for the relationship we have and for your suffering and death. All of this we ask in your name. Amen.